Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am good. Happy uh, December. Yeah. Seventh. It officially feels like winter now. It's snows on the ground. It's like 20 degrees outside. Oh, you have snow. I'm actually kind of jealous. Yeah. It, uh, it came kind of at a late, odd late time this year. It was like 50 degrees uh, three days ago. And then it just dropped like a rock. We dropped 30 degrees in one day and then it started snowing and it rained a little bit before that. So it's super icy on the road and everyone forgets how to drive. Of course, I sat on a bus yesterday for uh, 35 minutes, made it three blocks, finally hopped off the bus and it took me five minutes to walk home. Yikes. <laughs> so, That's rough. Feeling fortunate that day to be a software developer where I can just choose to work from home if I need to. Totally. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, that was my experience when Boston had that record snowfall. I think two years ago, I walked to work, and the T was the public transit was constantly getting shut down, and so people were like, "This is the worst." And I kept being like, "I don't know. It's kind of exciting. Just more snow every day." <laughs> yeah, it was very, uh, very mm-hmm. lucky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love those first couple snows. Like the first few of the season are like, I don't know. I dig it. I think it looks nice. Yeah, it's pretty it's magical exciting. before it turns brown. You know, it's all white and yep. You know, yeah, peaceful. It's like this. Cr- crispness in the air mm-hmm. which i dig mm-hmm. so i'm into it yeah we'll talk business yeah let's talk all right so uh this is the last week of the code quality challenge i made it through we all made it through a couple days before the thing started i was like getting pretty anxious honestly or i was like every day i'm gonna have to like, come up with these things or like somehow come up with a bunch ahead of time or and i knew knowing myself that i would just be doing them on the fly yeah because <laughs> that's just that's who i am it turns out yeah yeah um, at least right now um and i was like oh man this might be really terrible but actually it's been really fine it's been pleasant so the the challenges usually have have i would say take me at most an hour once i sit down and say okay i gotta come up with something and i kind of look through my list and i think about it or sometimes like they've come to me while i was doing other things which is nice so I'd be at the gym and be like oh i know what i'm gonna do today that's a, that's a good one but overall, like, yeah, it's been like setting them out was not too painful. And it seems like every day I read the forum threads and there are people that are like, oh, this was so useful. I'm really glad I did this. Or um, people will uh, attempt the challenge and then get really good advice from other people in the forum, which is nice. Like there's been a, a fair amount of interaction between people. I can see from the forum stats that there are like private messages going back and forth too, which is cool. So people are chatting and seem to be helping each other and collaborating and so it's I'm, I'm actually very pleased with how it went nice i was a little nervous for you at the onset because i felt like it was an ambitious goal to come up with this many tips that were language agnostic like i was yeah I, that yeah. was my biggest I concern shared your nervousness <laughs> yeah 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 but it seems to have worked since it was monday through friday there's 20 days basically it's four weeks i took two days off for thanksgiving so I'll have done 18 by the end of this. So uh, next time I run this, I think I'll probably need a full 20. But uh, And I will say the last couple of days have been a little hard and like kind of running out. But I only need to make one tonight and then I'm done. And so I did like one or two that were kind of meta like, all right, let's uh, read the docs for your a tool you're using, which like isn't quite code quality, but kind of is. So or like, you know, let's alias some command that you're doing all over and over, like improve some sort of repetitive action that you take. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm cheating a little bit, but I think that's okay. No one seems to mind. What are the uh, What are the stats? How many people went through this this cohort? That's a good question. Um, so let me actually pull open my my drip dot com. <laughs> Love that dot com. It's so legit. It looks like my open rates are around sixty percent on these emails, which I think is decent, right, for yeah. a month long challenge. Oh yeah. I mean, 
I don't know if I can compare it against another month long challenge, but that is a decent open rate just in general. So, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. It started in the 70s, actually, and then has declined a little bit. And now I'm around 60s. Um, and I started with, let's see, 582 people got day one, and I still have 568 subscribed. So not much churn either. And I actually talked to a friend of mine the other day, Matt Stoffer, uh, and he was telling me that he signed up for the challenge and he reads all the emails and he likes reading the emails and thinking about the challenge, even though he doesn't like explicitly go do it. And I think that's, I hadn't thought about that, but I, that's like, that to me is, is like another, that's kind of like a nice bonus where it's like, there may be people that are not, there's like different levels of participation, right? Like some people are, are talking on the forum and like they're, they're fully in and some people are doing them, but not saying anything on the forum. And some people are reading them and not doing them. And 40% of people are not even opening them. So there's a range, but like, most of those people are getting some sort of value. Right. At the very least, it's like you're feeding them an ebook of best practices for code quality and they're basically reading along. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's about what I'm falling into. I mean, I feel a little bad that I haven't been actually acting upon the emails, but I have been also reading all of them. And I feel like I, especially as I, I talked about last week, reevaluating like all of our processes to make sure we're staying efficient. It's like one of those is how do we maintain high code quality? And the, there's not a clear definition of what it means to have a high quality maintainable code base. And so I have I have my own ideas about what that is. I, I talk a lot about consistency. I talk about test coverage. And then like, is the architecture good? But what does that really mean? You know, this is a good source of like concrete things that I can add to that list of like, here are things we want to be controlling for, even if I'm not like acting upon them right away. It's like, these are, these are ideals that we should be, or these are ideas for things to mix in on a regular basis to like reevaluate. Do we have to do comments in our code base or do we, are we leveraging all the capabilities of our libraries and all that good stuff? So, so it's been useful to have these, get these ideas in your inbox. Yeah, I think so. As you read them, do, does anything pop out like, oh, this could be more useful if it, if there were certain changes? I think that the the only thing that would potentially make them more useful, and I know that this this is difficult to do because of the audience, but if, if it was more language specific, I think it would there would be an opportunity to go deeper. I still think it's it's useful to, and I think you've done a really good job of making them useful and also be language agnostic. So I can't really complain about the quality of them, but I think it, you know, you, you threw in a few like Ruby examples, like in Ruby, you would do this or in JavaScript, you would do this. Right. And, and so I think that was good, but I think that's probably the only area I can identify, I guess. I've been thinking about that fact as I've been writing the challenges where it's like, this would be easier if I could just scope it to Ruby because I know it so well. And also coming up with things would be easier too, coming up with like useful lessons. I'm a little bit torn on it. I guess I should survey people. Like, I'm curious, like, am I just getting 90% Ruby people anyway? And I could tighten this up a lot by just saying, all right, it's just for Ruby. Or even if I am getting 90% Ruby people, is it worth it to expand my reach out to other languages a bit? Like, I'm thinking about this as a, you know, almost like a lead gen course in a way. And so is it worth it to have a a bigger audience? I'm not sure. Or if there's like... If there's like three dominant languages that people are working in, like maybe you have JavaScript and Ruby predominantly, or maybe there's like another language thrown in there, I don't know what it would be, then you could potentially say like, here's the high level thing, and then here's an example in, or here's like a really specific example. Or you could even segment people, you know, like starting out, identify what language you want to see 
examples in or something like that. Brennan Dunn is just saying, <laughs> yeah, personalize it. Real-time personalization. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to think like, okay, I have version one is now done. Uh, I'm going to run another one of these. And by the way, the next cohort is going to start January 3rd. Dear listeners, if you'd like to get in, then you know, jump on that. Um, and I'm not going to let people in late this time. I had a lot of emails and tweets and things like that. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. You can join. Either in or in or you're out. So if you want in, uh, codequalitychallenge.com. So I'm trying to think of like, what am I going to do for V2? Because I've, I've got the chat. Now I have the, the exercises written. How can I make them even better? I actually like that idea a lot. For the challenge, give one or two examples in the dominant languages that people are showing up with. That's really good. And I think I could crowdsource this too. So what I think I might do next time is get a small review group or something, maybe five or six people. And each day, I will, I'll give them access to the stuff early. And then it's like, okay, like, what can we add to this? And like, I'm also going to mine from the forum threads, because very frequently, people would post helpful stuff later. So it's like, okay, I'm going to roll that into the original text next time. So that's already there. But like that, the, the code samples I hadn't even thought of, and that's a great idea. It's like, okay, I'll write the one for Ruby. And then if I can find, you know, a JavaScript person and a Swift person and a Java person, which seem to be like the main ones we're getting, we'll also have some examples in those. That's, that could be really good. I, I like this format because it lets me iterate like that. And like, it's all text, so I don't have to go re-edit videos, which is beautiful. And like, if I run this, you know, every so often, like a few times a year, I can just sort of keep making it a little bit better each time and everybody that goes through it's like wow this is even better than before mm-hmm. yeah and it's nice having a clear clear cohorts i think makes it really great for iterating because then you can compare you can say this cohort versus this cohort right. would do people become more active less active how do the metrics look how you know exactly yeah. what was my open rate at the end for the, the when i did it this way like, yeah things like that yeah totally it's like a uh, a spread out a b test almost yeah and a good experience in like in um customer development you know, like you're doing a lot of talking to people and people are naturally engaging in forums, which is great. And, you know, it's like sharpening your customer development skills, I think, too. Totally. And that's honestly one of my favorite things. Like, I, I like that sort of producty role where it's like, what do people need? What's useful for them? Like seeing the opportunity in their questions and in their actions. Like even just this, the, the shape of this course, like the format of this course was driven by like the reality of people buying refactoring rails and downloading it and not watching it. I can just keep, sort of keep learning these things and, and just like trying to say like, how do I, how do I beat this next time? Yeah. I like it. All on those lines. I've had another thought about th- structural changes. Um, one of which is there've been, a, there are a couple all-stars on the forum who like post really consistently and say really good stuff and, and provide helpful links. And I'm thinking about reaching out to them and, and asking if they want to act as kind of like a mentor or like a leader of some kind next cohort. I don't know exactly what they would do. I, I already promoted somebody to moderator because he was just like exemplary. And I was like, I don't even know if you're going to like what you're going to do, but I want you to know that I recognize your goodness and I want you to feel motivated. So I'm going to, I want to do more of that and see if I can roll that into the next session somehow. Yeah. What's the primary incentive you think? Is it just like, you know, they get kind of recognition among the audience of people taking it and, and get to, I guess, provide value back to the community or what do you think is the big, would be the biggest um, motivator for them? I guess it's kind of that pride aspect. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of hoping that it's kind of like a pay it forward situation, I Mm -hmm. guess, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I I built this course for free and continue to run it for free. And if you want to help in the mission of helping people improve their code quality, uh, there's a way you can lend a hand. 
And I'm, I'm liking that more and more like this, this is a free thing and just like exists for the good of the world. Because I feel like it's bringing the right people in and like leading it in the right direction. Um, and that's actually a really good segue, I think, to an email I got um, the other day, uh, which actually was a private message on the forum that came from a Discourse staff member. Mm, that's right. You sent this to me. Um, yeah. And so I want to read this because yeah. I think this is a really good email and I think people can learn from this. So the subject line is, can we offer you a discount on hosting? <laughs> Why, yes, you uh, can. <laughs> and the email says, hey, Ben, one of our engineers, CC'd, heard about your 30-day code quality challenge on The Art of Product, episode 25. And he linked to that episode. He shared it with the team as it was a great testimonial for our product and our hosting. Your commentary on Slack versus Discourse was also particularly interesting. We very much understand and share your concerns about Slack. It's great hearing it from someone outside our team. With that out of the way, while listening, I heard you mention that you're doing a lot of work for free and that Discourse in particular costs a good deal of money each month. I really like what you're doing here with your 30-day challenge. Better code quality is good for everyone, and I'd like to offer you a discount on your hosting plan to help lower your costs providing this service to the community. Would you be willing to have an 85% discount? <laughs> which is a hilarious sentence. Yeah, That would bring your cost to $18 a month, which is hopefully a bit easier for you than $120. Uh, you also mentioned that you were trying to figure out what to do with the eventual round two, particularly in, in regards to the existing content. I'd be happy to chat with you about some best practices for that, as well as some details on restricting access should you choose to charge users going forward. Thanks again for running this challenge. It's a great idea, and I'm excited to see it continue to evolve. Uh, yours, Joshua Rosenfeld. So granted, he's coming in with a pretty awesome offer. <laughs> so it's like this wasn't like he was asking me for a favor. So his title is Discourse Technical Advocate. And I couldn't actually track down a description of that job title anywhere on the Discourse site. But I think it's pretty clear, like, based on this, this message, what his job is. It's, like, it's to look for good opportunities like this. Like He's kind of doing like marketing in a one-to-one -one way. Where he's like, this person is saying good things about Discourse and you know, has some uh, influence, probably. Let's give him a positive experience. Yeah. And that is so smart. I, I love that. Like, I hope to be able to apply that in various contexts in the future. Like, it's such a great marriage of like, it's good. It's a win-win situation. It's good for discourse because now we're talking about this and it's a super awesome thing they've done. And it's a win for you because now you're saving some, some dough. So yeah, totally. That third paragraph where he says, like you mentioned, you're trying to figure out what to do with the round two in regards to the existing content. Like he also like heard about the problem I'm I discussed, and it's like we have some best practices about that. Why don't we talk? And I can help you with that. So it's like not only are they like, hey, here's a discount. It's like we're also going to help you use the product better and be successful. And I, I I don't know, just so savvy. Like if I had reached out to them and said, hey, I have these concerns, and hey, can I have a discount? That's one thing. But this was just like totally proactive. Um, and I, I just I was I was very impressed to get this. Yeah, they're they're doing things that don't scale right now, obviously, and that's it. Really, it shows, and it's awesome. So naturally, you wrote back and said, "I'm no charity case. I'm not taking your discount." That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I said, first of all, I blocked you and reported you for spam. <laughs> Second of all, um, yeah. but so I think if I were charging for this upfront, this this message might have been kind of different. And maybe not, but I don't know. I just, I'm just digging. Like, I feel like doing it for free and doing it for the good of the community just seems to be the right direction and bringing the right kind of people and things in, into my life. The universe is rewarding me, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to keep it up. So, so last time we talked, you were, I think you were toying with the idea of charging for, for next cohorts. Are you kind of pulling back on that a little bit? Yeah. I think that idea is dead. Yeah. 
I think I will definitely at least run the next cohort for free. Who knows what the future will look like? But um, uh, yeah, that's that's the plan as of right now. I haven't talked to, to Joshua yet, but I'm curious to hear what he says about the best practices with the old stuff because I have been wondering about that. I'm not sure what to do aside from rolling up the, the best stuff into the actual exercise itself. I don't even know what I'm going to do with the people that are in the forum now. Or like, should I do anything? Like, should I create groups? Like, Discourse does have the idea of groups. Like, should I roll people into like a inaugural cohort group and then a you know V2 cohort? And should they be segmented somehow? Should they be able to see each other's content? Yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of... I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I still don't have clarity on what the best thing to do would be. Like, there's all these people who have been going through this thing. Now they're not any longer. Do they continue to come in and interact? Or what is, what's like... What's your expectation of them to do at this point, even? Yeah, right, exactly. I hope they would just keep getting value in some way. You know, like if, if they can find a way to, to make things useful, then like that's, I'm, I'm okay with supporting that and providing a place for that. I don't want to run a ghost town forum so much, you know, like I would hope, I'd hope it wouldn't be a thing that just kind of dies. But I don't know, as long as there are cohorts continually going through it, maybe it's just for them while they're doing it. And then later they, you know, they don't talk as much, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it could be, like, I don't know, there's a lot of different things that people do for membership websites. Like, there's a whole concept of this, right? And I don't know, it's like some way to post the challenge, like have your accountability group or something. Like, are people people naturally forming groups? And I think that's something you have to kind of see what emerges naturally out of the community. Maybe help that, that might help drive kind of what you do to help them facilitate what they're already doing. Yes, yeah. I did. I did start a thread about help people find um, like accountability partners, and a few people seem to have done it and said that it was working well for them. But I haven't like checked in again with them. I think I, I need to do a big like um, retrospective thread slash survey kind of thing to, to, to sort of ask like, okay, now that all the dust has settled, what what was this actually like for you, and what could we do better? It's funny. Like I built a thing and it went well, and I didn't make any money, but <laughs> I still had a really I had a good time doing it. <laughs> a good time and, doing it. Uh, I want. I'm going to do it again. I guess I'm I'm recommitting to another month of work. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just sort of okay with it. Yeah. I think that's it for me on that stuff. Okay. Huh? I've got a fun uh, anecdote from this week. Um, okay. So I've been talking about the the visual email builder that we're working on. Right. Yeah. Hired hired our Elm developer. He's getting onboarded onto the team. It's awesome. Uh, we haven't broke ground on the code base yet for that, for this email builder, because before we actually like said, all right, here is the basic outline for how we want to build this, we wanted to do some user testing. And I think this was brought up by our designer and our product guy, Brendan. And so they they set up these structured tests with three people so far internal to the company and worked out like a, a prototype. So our, our designer is actually has like HTML, CSS, obviously, and JavaScript chops. So he built out like a, a working prototype, which is pretty awesome. Um, it doesn't actually persist data. And it's like some of the elements aren't actually fully designed, but it is enough where you can click through and you can basically build an email in the browser or at least mock one up and kind of get a feel for how things are going to flow and like the nuances of whether whether we drag and drop or whether you click a click target. And he got some of those core elements into this prototype. So it was actually a pretty good representation. And we, we didn't have to stop at just like, you know, envision mock-up flows or sketch files to to kind of demonstrate how the how we're envisioning it working. So so we set up these half hour sessions with folks and kind of just told them like, all right, here's a prototype of the builder and here is a printed out 
email that was built in the MailChimp email builder. And it had like a headline and some like two images side by side and a call to action button below that and a block of text. And the the charge for the person sitting there was like, okay, just try to try to build this and talk through as like be as vocal as possible as you're walking through this, share whatever whatever's on your mind at that moment, or if you get tripped up about something. So it was, it was pretty fun. We just mostly sat there quiet and listened. And Brendan gave um, some prompts at different times or asked them well-timed questions. But for the most part, they just kind of went through. And, and it was it was an interesting experience because the first person we did, by and large, got it. Like There were a few points where he was a little bit confused and we kind of nudged him in the right direction. But he, he was able to basically do it. And the second person was a completely polar opposite experience. And the, the comments they were making is like, well, in other builders, I've seen this. Or in this other... I don't know, usually when I'm building a landing page, I would expect to see this kind of thing. So let me go over here and see. And it's interesting to see how people's prior experience with other tools really colors the way they think about your tool. And it was a really helpful experience that we already have some good takeaways. And I think we want to do a little bit more of it. I don't know if it's ever going to be, get like to the point where every single person we show it to, it's like putting on a glove, like super smooth. Because these things are just complicated. The more you dig into any kind of visual website builder or visual email builder, it's like there's there's so many edge cases, as you can probably imagine. But by and large, like, I, I think this was a great thing to do to catch mistakes we may make early on in usability uh, before we actually start writing real code behind it. Uh, I think that's super smart to be running those tests. We did a handful of them when I was a ThoughtBot, and it was basically always illuminating. And like I also did that for um, briefs.fm, that service I, I started, where like we would onboard people manually and I would like have them share their screen with me on Skype and just like watch them sign up and try not to say anything. And it is amazing what you will learn. <laughs> like stuff that seems a hundred percent clear to you will completely mystify other people. Right. It's like there was yeah, there's some flows where like Okay, we're, we're experimenting with something a little bit different than the norm where like, for example, if you want to move a node, you click a you click a move button and then it kind of gives you like an exploded view of the email and there's a bunch of click targets and you tell us where you want to drop it. And one of the people who was looking at it was just like, they saw this exploded view happen and they were like, wait, where's the thing I want to drag? I want to drag it. And it's like, there was all these things that were like pluses, like pretty clear indicators to me that it was a click target, but to them, it, they didn't see click target at all. So right, especially around like sophisticated interactions like that. Yeah, it's just you're gonna have a. I think it would be surprising how many people don't figure it out right away. Yeah, right. Like, because I, I I couldn't even like I would have a page which said like in big text like you can change this later, and they would people would be like, can I change this later? <laughs> yeah, and, like it's like you can't even get people to read text. So no. I'm not surprised that some sort of complex interaction is also hard to get them through. Right, and that's where like a big part of like building interfaces is less about the text. Like you can put the text there. People probably aren't going to read it. So you have to make them feel like this is changeable later, you know, and there's a lot of nuance to, to actually getting that thought implanted in their brain without them reading the text you put on the screen. <laughs> totally. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that sounds like a, that sounds like a fun project still. Yeah. I'm yeah. Still into this. It is. Yeah. And I, I think Rob and I have had a lot more fun than we've had with a lot of things in the last few months, just like getting back, hands dirty and this iterating process and whiteboarding and trying to come up with our own unique take on how to build one of these because there's a number of them on the market and most of them are like pretty painful to use and so it's been a fun challenge to figure out like how can we how can we make ours feel really nice (laughs) yeah 
that's that's the drip make it the drip way the drip way yeah yeah i like that anything else on that i thought of some other stuff i want to add uh no i think i don't know that's it that's it for me what do you got cool um so something i forgot to mention is that um i hired a designer to redo the landing page for the code quality challenge again like getting back to that like that iteration thing like i can improve things a little bit each time and so the landing page i have now is not great it's just sort of hacked together that i adam sort of got me started and i messed around with it so um steve shoger is going to be redesigning it uh which is i'm very pumped about i'm a big fan of his work oh me too Uh, you don't his tweets are on fire (laughs) so good and he always has hot tips right and it's like yeah the fire design tips every single one of them is so on point he has i think mastered the like tip in a tweet format yeah and so like he's worth following um he's steve shoger on twitter s-c-h-o-g-e-r um and a v for the steve uh, but we'll link to him for sure if you're especially if you're a developer whose css shops are not like amazing like me he makes it very simple to understand what's going on that's cool we should have him on the show we should try to get him on. That, that's a good idea we yeah. should yeah i wanted to work with him for refactoring rails and he couldn't fit it in uh but i reached out to him again and told him like i will fist fight the other people that are trying to hire you if necessary <laughs> uh, and so he he said yes very cool uh, so i'm psyched to see what what that turns into so i will definitely be sharing that as soon as that's live i'm like classic client where it's like when would you like this i'm like right now <laughs> um, yesterday <laughs> yeah exactly um because i'm signing up people for the next month so hopefully you know a bunch of them will see the cool page but um so we'll see when that goes out um but i'll definitely be telling people here when that does uh, and another thing uh that happened is i was on the full stack radio podcast oh, which cool. is uh, hosted by adam and we talked about our all-time favorite refactorings and went pretty it was, it was like very code have like code deep uh like pure technical stuff uh, and it seems to have resonated with a lot of people uh, so uh, if you're if you're tired of hearing me talk about uh, other stuff on this <laughs> podcast, yeah, uh, and you want to hear me talk about code and Adam too, uh, you can go check out that episode, which we will link up. It's episode seventy eight. Very cool. It dropped already. It did. It's out. Sweet. Out yesterday. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think cool. That might be it for me. Yeah, I think so. Want to wrap it? I think we yeah. Let's wrap it. All right. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I am still getting people emailing me, telling me like, you left the mic on the latest episode. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you get it? I do too. I, I like causing a little panic in people, not because yeah. I want them to suffer, but because I want them to listen. Yeah. You I know, think it's like, when you oh, stir God, that emotion think... in people, then they're like, um, yeah. yeah, basically any emotion is better than like no emotion right in a way. Yeah. I feel like when you're making content or like performance mm-hmm. like it's a- anything that you make people feel is is good yeah it's like why i make people do weird stuff before talks it's probably <laughs> yep. just so they're like what is going on like i'm having weird thoughts about this person yep so, i like it yeah, i dig that <laughs> that's cool any uh any drip support requests for me <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't noticed anything anything this week yay <laughs> um, no bugs <laughs> i like i really love the yeah no, i haven't seen any i like the um when I duplicate a broadcast and I give it a new name it, and there's like a little box that says set the e- subject of the email to be this name. Yeah. I like that. That saves me some clicks. That's cool. Yeah. That's a nice little UX thing. It's the little things. Uh, yeah. The little things that make all the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think everything's good. I got uh, almost 200 people signed up for the next cohort. Oh, that's cool. cool. 
Yeah. yeah. And I haven't, I haven't really been promoting it at all yet. Like I've just started, like I mentioned it on Adam's podcast and mm-hmm. just now. Mm-hmm. And, I have a, and I have a month. So I'd love to get, you know, a, a similar number again. Yeah. It seems like you're on track to hit that. Are you, do you have like a steady trickle per day or is it kind of bumpy based on? That's a good question. Uh, I'm not really sure. Let's see. Oh, you know what I have to do that mm. I'm not really looking forward to? Oh, here's what? a drip support request. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please flawlessly merge all of my different drip accounts into one. Uh, um, I have, I mean, I, I, it's actually, I think it's going to not be that bad. Yeah. Because I don't, I'm not doing anything complicated. Like, I think I have like one workflow per account at most. And some of them are just like not even workflows. They're just like, I'm using the old school yeah. campaign automation stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I, so I, in yeah. that case, you can do like a, you can do an account level export. Or you can just go to your subscribers tab um, and don't filter anything. You just go to the bottom and click export and then do a bulk op and import them into your... And they'll be exported with their tags and they'll import with yeah. their tags? Yeah. Okay. They All will. Right. Tags and custom fields will come along with them. Oh, you'll also okay. want to make sure to um, export your unsubscribed subscribers oh, from really? your various oh, so accounts. That, why? So that you can tag them as unsubscribed. Well, oh, I mean... certain things. Y- yeah. It depends on how you want to control for this. Like if you have, you have to figure out how you want to handle someone who is actively subscribed to one of your accounts and unsubscribed from another one. And maybe that's a small enough subset that it, it's not worth worrying about, but yeah, you might err on the the side of of just like, if they're if they've unsubscribed from one of your things, then make sure they're marked as unsubscribed in your main account. Um, because they may feel like they're being spammed, you know? Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I'm probably going to ignore that. <laughs> Maybe it, it might be I, trivial enough that it's not not worth uh, yeah stressing um, too much. Yeah, so I've been getting a trickle of subscribers, uh, and it definitely has been creeping up. I guess I've been talking about this more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing I don't know four, seven, five a day, and then now it's more like twelve, nineteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I like your um, I like your headline, your subhead on your website: a free language agnostic exercise of will <laughs> yeah i like that too <laughs> that is really nice yeah i i kind of like the angle on it where it's like this is not going to be easy it's going to mm-hmm. be hard mm-hmm. it's yeah i there's something about that positioning that i dig a lot yeah where it's like we're not all going to make it through this i know it like this is not going to be an easy thing it's called a challenge yeah it's not called an, an ease right <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of challenges code, cool. yeah I had a physical uh, back when I was visiting California. I went to my doctor. I still haven't switched doctors. I have a California doctor, but because um, <laughs> I'm so I'm healthy enough that I don't ever need to see the doctor. So I just see him once a year when I go back home. Okay. Um, but uh, so yeah, I stepped on a scale, and uh, it turns out I've put on like 10, 15 pounds in the last year. Thank you, Minnesota. Mm. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, you may want to step up your exercise a little bit. So I've been trying. I've been trying to do. Well, this week I'm I've done three um, three five Ks on the treadmill because um, hmm. now it's cold enough outside where I real I mean there are people who run all winter but um, I'm not that animal yet. <laughs> so, Do you like running? Um, I I don't uh, I don't hate it. <laughs> I guess I um, I I have. Do pretty, you hate it less than other forms of exercise? Yeah, I would say so. Like I've least, done, I guess I've done spinning before. And that's yeah. like, you know, like legs on fire for 45 minutes. Like it's yeah. pretty uncomfortable for me. I feel like running is like, 
when I have actually good form, I fill it, I fill it in my arms, I fill it in my abs, I fill it in my leg. Like if I'm not, if I'm overstraining my hips or my knees or something, then I'll be like pretty sore. But when, if I deliver about having good form, then, um, I don't know. It's usually pretty, feels pretty good to me. What is, what are, are you like running? Oh, so you're running five Ks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you vary your pace or are you mostly just sort of running at a standard as like a, a flat pace? Um, so I try, my goal is always to like walk for a few minutes to warm up at the start and then set it at whatever pace and try not to change it the whole time. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if that's ideal, but I feel like it's hard. Like, uh, and so on days where I'm not doing well, then I will either slow it down and take a walk break in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then, mm-hmm. and then step it back up. Um, but yeah, I've also like, I guess the flip side to that is like doing more of inter- interval style training where mm-hmm. it's actually less total time, but you have higher bursts of activity. And that, mm-hmm. I've heard that could be a good like time saver. Like you get the same bang, more bang for your buck doing that. Right. Um, yes, it's a time saver. And I also think if your goal is fat loss, it's more effective. Hmm. Interesting. So like long, slow-ish distance running tends to be catabolic, meaning it, mm-hmm. it eats up your muscle. Mm, interesting. More so than your fat. Okay. And so it can actually be detrimental to like body composition to do oh. long distance running. Like if you are sedentary and you start running, you will see your like weight weight will go down, yeah. but you will be losing muscle and fat mm, pretty no good. Co- pretty consistently, which you don't want, right? Yeah. Like you, there's certain things you want to lose and certain things you don't want to lose. Yep. Um, doing interval training targets fat much more preferentially. Hmm. Um, I think like the 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 run for weight loss is like actually an easy thing to kind of it's like almost like a trap to get into. Yeah. It seems like the default answer to it. Yeah. Um, but. It's, I think it is almost counterproductive for okay. most of the time. That's good to know. I've, I feel like yeah. exercise is one of those things where there's like, um, there's so many different pieces of advice out there and it's hard to know which ones are the ones you should be listening to. Like, like even about stretching. Like I remember I used to do P90X pretty consistently, like back in college. And um, I, if I recall it right, he was always talking about like, you don't want to do too much static stretching after a after a workout because your muscles are already pretty loose and warm. You want to just want to just do a little bit of like ballistic style stretching or whatever. And then, um, talking to another person, they're like, Oh no, no, that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. And I'm like, well, what's the (laughs) answer? What is it? (laughs) Yeah. I think there are a lot of things that we don't really know. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of money to be made in saying that you have the only answer. Right. And everyone else is wrong. Yeah. So the incentive alignment is kind of wonky in the fitness world. Yeah. Um, so it's worth, I think, looking at a bunch of different sources and, and kind of figuring out the average opinion, probably. Yeah. That might be a good approach. Yeah. But I'm pretty confident about what I'm, the, about the, the stuff I'm spewing right now. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe look, I mean, look into it for yourself for sure. Yeah. But like high interval, like what, H-I-I-T, mm-hmm. high intensity interval training, mm-hmm. um, like those like sprint and then walk and sprint and then walk kind of thing, I think keeps getting shown over and over that it is really, it's good at fat loss stuff. Yeah. And the longer, slower distance is, is not so good. Yeah. Like your body will like optimize long, slow distance running. It's like, okay, like we need to be lighter. Right. And it's like, let's just get rid of everything. That, and that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like another thing that I feel like is a sound um, piece of advice is like, um, and this kind of comes out of the P90X world, but like 
muscle confusion, like the notion of like keeping your body on its toes, like you, like because if you do the same kinds of workouts over and over again, then your body nat- naturally optimizes for that and figures out how to not continue building muscle or not continue like burning fat or something. So sure, yep, yeah, and right, and like muscle tissue is uh, metabolically expensive to maintain. Yeah. So like your body would really not rather would rather have no more muscle than it needs. Yeah. You have to give it a good reason to have it. Exactly. So if you if you're like, like slow paced running doesn't put a high demand on like your muscle tissue. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, like this is and we're like, this is extra. So we can Mm. get rid of this Mm. versus like, very high effort sprinting, your body's like, wow, like, (laughs) this is really hard. The muscles (laughs) are getting seriously stressed here. Yeah. Uh, So okay. I can modify. Yeah. uh, Okay. Yeah. If you can do any sort of weight training, I think this is that's also mm-hmm. a really smart mm-hmm. direction to head. Yeah. Had a good and actually <laughs> I have meta advice for you. Okay. All right. Later so on. one thing that I do is every few months I go and get a bod pod test. Uh-huh. Is that like have a heard of this? like a body composition? Exactly. Yeah. Thing? So it yeah. measures your body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the official body fat measuring tool of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, must be good. Yeah. Um it's apparently fairly accurate. Uh, and so I do that because it's it's hard to like steer the ship if you don't have some sort of data. Um, and yeah. uh, so that's worth doing because like it's I actually I have I found it's easy for me to spend a month feeling like I'm moving in the right direction and then go get a test. It's like I went nowhere or like yeah. I went slightly in the wrong direction. It's yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Um, so I feel like you need that data. But like I, I recently I did a month where I was lifting a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I actually was doing five days a week of resistance training, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did five weeks of that and I got a bod pod test before and after. And I did, I added four pounds of muscle and lost two pounds of fat or three pounds of fat. Wow. Um, yeah. And so like, that's, that's the right direction. Like that actually moves the percentages where I want to go. And yeah. So like, okay. Like I found a thing that works. And the fact that I can actually prove it with data is like really useful for me. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like I, um, I like, I want to do that. I've actually, it's been on my mind to do one of those for a while because I deliberately do not own a scale. Like I don't, cause yeah, I know yeah, yeah. that like just measuring your weight doesn't, and, and granted that's all my doctor was looking at too. And I have, mm-hmm. I have done quite a bit of yoga over the last year and I'm, I'm certain that I'm stronger in certain areas. So some of that may have been a, a shift in body composition that's not well mm-hmm. reflected on a scale. Exactly. I don't think I, I don't think I put on 15 pounds of fat necessarily, but yeah. Um, cause I think that would show in waist size more and it's like, hasn't been a dramatic totally. difference. Yeah. Um, that's another, I also track that. So I do bod pods every like probably three months or so. And then yeah. I like do waist measurements more frequently cause that's yeah. like a decent proxy. That's a better proxy than any kind of scale. Than pure weight. Yeah. I actually yeah. have a scale, but I, I almost like my, my weight barely changed during that month where it's like yeah. I dropped fat and added muscle. Right. It's like, Oh, like looks like I'm within the margin of error and nothing happened. It's like, Oh, actually right. no things, good things did happen. Right. So. Could have shown a net, a, a two pound gain and you'd be like, what happened? But you know, exactly. it's actually gaining muscle. So yeah. 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 Welcome to the art of fat loss. Podcast. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I like have not, um, I don't know. I've known that I, I need to be more active software developer when at times when I'm really busy, I'm like sitting a lot. So I'm already like, this was just enough to light a fire under me. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm going to stand more. Cause I, mm-hmm. I just, I don't need to be sitting all day long. And I actually put my standing desk up at work, um, yesterday and I didn't sit once and mm-hmm. I just felt better. Like things, blood flowing through my body better. I don't know. It's like, I bet. Yeah. When times when I'm like sitting for four hours straight, I just don't, you just feel kind of gross. Um, totally. I, I've, yeah, my, I've been having a lot of stiffness 
Mm-hmm. Um, my like home setup is not great. It is a standing desk, but it's like my apartment is an old Beacon Hill apartment. And so part of it is like sinking into the ground. <laughs> oh, no. So like <laughs> it's actually like the floor is not flat yeah. in my apartment. <laughs> uh, and so like I'm constantly kind of like off at an angle. Yeah. And just like the ergonomics here are not great. And so like I just have felt like my upper back in particular for me is like bad. Like I'm a side mm-hmm. sleeper. So my shoulders roll forward all night long. Mm-hmm. And then I work yeah. with my hands out in front of me all day. Yeah. And I just like end up really stiff and tight in the front yeah um and it's it's like i've been i've been dealing with some pain myself honestly yeah and it sucks it like really saps the life out of you it does it's and like these... I, like nothing is wor- worth doing when your body feels like crap i know that's how it feels. Like, that is the one thing like the um uh every time i do get back into a more regular cadence of exercise like it feels terrible like at the end of a run i'm like I feel terrible, kind of nauseous, whatever. But then you cool down and then you're walking around. It's like, oh, my body just feels so much better. Like it's, For sure. like I've, I've worked my muscles. My posture has improved slightly uh, mm-hmm. just because I'm just, you know, I'm feeling good. That's the other thing. Like posture is such a huge thing. Like I totally. one time I was sitting and I looked over and there was a mirror near me and I saw my posture and I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I cannot, totally. <laughs> that yep. slumped over. So Definitely. To- and like if, if it doesn't hurt, it will eventually. Yeah, like bad posture will eventually start to like make you put you in pain. Like yeah. You can get away with it until you can't. There's a great book, by the way, about this about this sort of stuff called Desk Bound mm. uh, by Kelly Starrett. It's okay. really worth reading. Desk Bound. Uh, it's basically like how do you not turn into a wreck if you work at a desk all day? Yeah, uh, and he's awesome. It's it's a very solid book. Probably should be required reading for all office workers. I think so. <laughs> I've honestly thought about like trying to like really go hard on fixing myself mm-hmm. like get rid of all my symptoms feel like I, i've like improve all my stuff and then mm-hmm. be like all right what have i learned let me turn this into some sort of course product book thing mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like i think i feel like everyone or like just about all developers hit this hit these issues i feel like if you if you gave a talk in front of a group of developers like who is like kind of in like semi-chronic pain who yeah. feels stiff and weak and tired and, and irritable and I feel like most people would say like, yeah, from time to time, everybody basically gets that. Yep. It's like, how do we fix that? And it's the kind of thing when you're like your body, when our bodies are really young there, we can, yeah. we can do a lot. We can be in terrible posture. I used to like work, like laying stomach flat on the floor with like propped up on my elbows, like sitting uh-huh. in front of a computer. I could do that for hours. And now I like, uh-huh. try to do that for like five minutes and I'm like, oh, my back is so stiff. I can barely move. Totally. And like, if there's you a big just, change, like <laughs> yeah. 30, I'm 34 now, like 34 versus like 24 is like night and day. Like, I remember yeah. just being like, I played volleyball with these older guys when I was in like my mid to late twenties and they were always icing their knees and their elbows and their shoulders. And they're and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, this is not like, I, I just assumed everyone was kind of like weak. Right. It's like, you guys are not like, taking care of yourselves. I'm, I'm yeah. in good shape. Over and here. I felt like a stud. And then like, <laughs> yeah. I like hit my early mid thirties and I'm like, Ooh, like, yeah. Like if I don't, I have to pay like so much attention to this stuff now. Yeah. Like you just can't get away with anything. I can't get away with almost anything. No. <sighs> but I did yoga yesterday and I'm going to do yoga today. Nice. I, I sent it. I was feeling really crappy. And so I sent a text to my friend and I was like, I'm going to do yoga twice this week and then four times the next two weeks. And if I don't, I'm going to give you $400. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did you like put it in escrow? So like you can't go back on that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be, that'd be a good idea. Um, but I, I do stuff like that every so often. Just like kind of like I fo- I did Motivate. that like, like sort of weight training focused month. And that was really good. And I, I felt I got stronger and I added muscle, but I felt stiff. 
Like, yeah. like I feel like weight training sort of promotes t- tension and stiffness because you're, mm-hmm. like, you're trying to like contract as much as possible. Yeah. And I think I like that five days a week was too much for me. Mm-hmm. I need to find some sort of blend of flexibility work plus strength training. Yeah. And then I think I'll be like where I want to be. But so because I, I, I went too hard the other way, I'm going to go hard the other, you know, this way and just focus on stretching everything out. Yeah. Like if there's one constant, it's like this is always this is a very iterative process for everybody. And everybody like needs a little bit different program probably for their body yeah. type and their situation. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm going to try to put in the work, see what I can do. Cool. Yeah. I think that's all you can do. Yep. I think so. Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to go eat a little food. Cool. I think I'll get back to work. Get some work done. All right. Cool. Uh yeah, cool. Good chatting. You too. See ya. Uh, same. Oh, I noticed that we ran out of uh meeting invites. Oh no, somewhere. Not yet, but we will. Can I was we? Looking at, can we continue this? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to keep recording a podcast? <laughs> yeah. So this time, I mean, this time's working well for me. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I made an, a, a calendar event that said repeats weekly on Thursday twenty four times, and it's going to run out in January. So. Wow. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I was thinking about our episode numbers and like we've done we've done a lot of these. We're on twenty seven now. It's amazing what showing up consistency consistently does. <laughs> yeah, consistently. Yeah, I know. Um, Before we know it, we'll be at episode one hundred. We'll have to come up with what our one hundredth episode is going to be. There you go. All right, I just I just bumped it out. Are you sure you want? To... <laughs> Whoa, what? Uh, hold up. Oh. Dude, Google just actually did a useful thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Cancel this change. Discard changes. All right. I almost just made our podcast hundreds of days long. Oh, no. Okay. Repeat. There we go. And let's end it after I just added 40 more occurrences. Nice. Are you on the new oh. Google Calendar design, by the way? No. No? It is bad. You don't like it? Well, okay. So there was I had a problem with it. I think the new design is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you use quick add a lot? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. The most valuable feature to me in Google Calendar is that if I hit Q, it pops up a little box called quick add. Uh-huh. And I can be like, uh, record with Derek Thursday, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it, it parses all that stuff out and mm-hmm. creates an event for me. And in the new, when I switched to the new version, it still had quick add, but it didn't work. Or like it, it, they changed quick add so that now... Let me, let me switch over right now and see if they, if they fixed it. And if they didn't, I'm going to be sad. See, I'm on the weak view. And when I press it, it just wants to create something at the Exactly. Cursor. It creates something at the time where your cursor... Like, <laughs> it creates something right now. Right. Who the hell thinks quick add means right now? Oh, I better <laughs> add this to my calendar instantly. For like, is that the most moment. common use case? Come on. And so I anyway, want, yeah. I switched huh. to it and was like, God damn it, this is broken. And so I switched back. And to their credit, they pop up a little thing, which is like, why did you switch back? And so yeah. I wrote up this little thing. And it's still broken, and I'm very annoyed because I just got a mess. I got a, a notification the other day, which is like, "We're going to switch you, just so you know." Right, we'll take yeah. it away from you at a certain point. Quit. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's it's enough of a visual. I mean, so I guess I don't use that feature too often. I think, yeah, I think it's been a long time since I've actually quick added something. But it sounds like yeah. a useful thing I should be doing. But now it's I can't. so useful. <laughs> it's how I add basically almost everything. Yeah. Um, and so now it doesn't work or it won't work. Sure. Why? Hopefully why, why? How about some unit tests people or something? I don't know. Yeah. There was, you know, it took them 
this team, I don't know what it is, but like, so quick ad as well. If I, let's say it's Thursday and I type, let's say lunch with Derek Monday. Let me see if they, oh, they were doing it in the past. It still doesn't. It still doesn't. (laughs) If I type lunch with Derek Monday, 12 PM, it puts it in the past. (laughs) It puts it in the past. Quick ad in the past. It makes no sense. They're like, oh, quick ad no longer works in the past. Now it works at the instant of whatever now is. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Who the fuck has ever quick added an event in the past? Ever. Yeah. And you know you know what they're doing on the back end. It's like, well, week. Like they're, they're saying like Monday. Okay, which Monday? Well, current, week dot current. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, man. So I guess I think quick ad is just one of these features that like doesn't actually get much use and it gets basically yeah. ignored. And so I think they're they're probably optimizing for the consumer experience and that quick add feature is very much like I'm gonna yeah. type this and natural language processing is going to parse what I'm saying. Like most people don't probably realize that's happening or trust that it's gonna do the right thing so they don't use it. Yeah. If someone I know what's his name? Zach Holman's working on a calendar. Yeah. I might try his thing out if I can get in that. Like I'm I need a sensible quick ad and then like, you know, not much else. Yeah. Uh, I think I might be willing to pay this for is it. How new, this is how new products are born, by the way, when you recognize like there's one use case that is not done well. And then, yeah. you know, like a new calendar is going to come out and it's probably going to be like optimized for a very specific thing, but it may not be optimized for the thing you really care about. And then, yes. you know, I think my, the thing I care about is keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, it's like calendars for developers or something, right? Or, or like yeah, maybe developers exactly. not the right way to slice it, but it's people who, mm-hmm care about keyboard shortcuts and things like that which i love those yep. in gmail too i use them all the time but oh I don't yeah know. that 100%. might be a minority use case you know yeah I, I do think like it's almost not quite enough to to make a new product but like that general thing like x but with amazing keyboard shortcuts is yeah. a thing i think about a lot honestly <laughs> yeah. like, a, like product yeah. categories i'm into yeah knowing it's going to be niche but like yeah there's totally. probably a lot of opportunities but for some people make. it will resonate oh yeah for sure yeah. yeah. Do you use Vimium? Or have you ever, you probably, not, I bet you don't. Um, so Vimium is this like, extension for Chrome that um, lets you keyboard nav uh, web pages. Using Vim, um, Vim key bindings? Yeah. So, so it uses Vim key bindings, but like that's almost not the important part. Like, yeah, it uses the HJKL for moving around. Yeah. Um, but the, the real useful thing is that if I hit F, it pops up these little tiny indicators over every link on the page, everything clickable. Mm. Um, and each each indicator has like a um, a key a, a key sequence in it. Yeah. Um, so it's like if you hit S, I will click this link. If you hit T, I'll click this link. Ah, if you hit if you type SH, it'll click this link. Uh, and so I use that a fair amount actually. Mm-hmm. So like basic Vim scrolling forward and back, and then that fine thing is like it just lets me not so you use can, the mouse. You can navigate the web without lifting your fingers off your keyboard, huh? Yeah, which I'm pretty into. So. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's like more products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right, let's stop. <laughs> Good <laughs> rant, We could keep going. We could keep going. But I can find more stuff to rant about. You know. Yeah, I'm sure I could, but, too. All right. All right, man. All right, my dude. Well, see, see you next easy. time. Later. Bye.